like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is the cat lady herself, Corey Starr. I was so hoping you would introduce me that way. Hello, hello. I, the listeners don't know this, but um, I, I discovered last week kind of on accident, but uh, when we record, uh, we use this uh, program called Zencaster, and so I can name Corey, and I, I used a, a common name my wife calls Corey last week, um, but now I think it's going to be a fun game for me to come up with new nicknames every week uh, when I send these. I'm excited um, about it. Cat Lady was the first one that popped in my mind because Corey does have several cats. If you follow her on Instagram, you already know. Four. Um, four, ki- four kitty cats right now. Um, That's my maximum cat capacity. This uh-huh. week at, uh, for Movie Club, we are. <laughs> cat capacity is good. Um, we are uh, getting into our last, uh, ep- last episode for the Minton Box theme of May. Um, and we are covering. To Catch a Thief, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, we'll get into our full review of that in a little bit. Um, but before we do that, we like to catch up. And uh, a little disclaimer, um, this is not a political podcast. However, we are living in a time where politics are uh, invading every aspect of our lives. As 2020 is preparing to be, it's almost as if 2020 is running for the worst year on record election. And it is it is trying its damnedest uh, to win that competition that didn't exist apparently, but now does because things just keep escalating, right? Like when the month began, we were like, "Oh, murder hornets," but now we are in full blown um, riot mode. And uh, Corey and I both um, we debated whether or not to get it too political or anything. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we both feel that. Uh, it is important for people to not to speak against in the sense of like so many people just want to insult and point fingers and do that rather than have discussions. Uh, and we'll point out now, Corey and I are, um, I don't know how we ended up where we're at, but we are politically like-minded. Uh, I, I don't think the people that met each other would have been the same, but currently Corey and I are very, very similar people. Um, (laughs) It, it, I'm sworn it's enemies. To both of us. <laughs> we, I, I mean, I don't know what it was that our personalities clashed so hard when we met 15 years ago, but now we are. Uh, I would actively say we not only have we been doing this podcast for five or six years, but we've been very good friends uh, for the last seven, eight years, um, maybe a little longer even. And it, it is a crazy turnaround from our initial uh, opinions of each other. Um, but that's, I think, People all more know. to our point. Right. It's all more to our point, though, is that we got here because we didn't call each other names and give each other crap. We we discussed, we came to an understanding, and eventually that understanding blossomed into friendship. It is possible, folks, that you can have discussions about things that you have different opinions on, stay civil, maybe get angry, but stay civil, not result to name-calling or, or finger-pointing, and try to come up with a new point of view. And so... Um, with that in mind, this world, we need all sides to step up. And I, I have found in the past that the people who were the angriest um, or who who thought they were right, even if they had no real reason to think they were right, were the loudest. 
and I would stay back quiet and afraid of, of being in a confrontation. And I'm, it's not a comfortable place for me to go, but I do feel it is our obligation. And so we're going to talk for a few minutes. Um, for one, I do feel like there is some film rev, uh, there's a lot of film relevance to this because unfortunately films have had to cover this, the subject that currently is the, the major topic going on in the world, which was another black man being murdered by a police officer, uh, apparent that it was completely unnecessary in every capacity. Um, uh, the man was pinned down on the ground, uh, detained, and yet the officer kept his knee on his throat. Um, I, I can't ever view a scenario where that is okay. Um, it immediately reminded me of the true life story that Fruitvale Station is based on, where an African-American male was pinned down, handcuffed behind his back on the ground, and then was shot in the back by an officer. And if I'm not mistaken, that officer did not get charged with any uh, murder, or if he was charged, he did not get prosecuted. Um, and and the oh man, the 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 fact that we could sit here probably for the next hour and list examples of similar scenarios is the problem. And uh, Black Lives Matter is a movement that so many people have. Uh, uh, you know, it's a trigger phrase. But my God, it's time for a change, everybody. And um, Jaws is the movie that just this year just keeps reminding me of because of the the corruption that we see in the politicians. Um, the most recent thing that I'm hearing is the claim that the medical examiner is saying that the the death um, of the man in Minnesota was not going to be the uh, the knee on the throat, but a mental reaction to the scenario. I can't. Um, Something, oh man, I'm gonna, of course I'm going to blank on the name of it. I'm going to pull it up while we're sitting through this. But um, the medical examiner is asked to change the shark attack to boating incident um, in Jaws. And that's just yet another example of Jaws coming to fruition this year. Um, 2020, oh my God, just please, can we start to level off here? It's getting crazy. Excited delirium is the condition. Um, and if you Google that, you'll find in like, I think the fourth or fifth is an article from January of this year where it is referring to how to use this in law enforcement. And that some people claim this is a nonsense thing to use excessive force and a way for officers to get out of it. And that is problematic that it's even mentioned. So just know if that does happen, it is probably uh, a loophole scenario where it will not be the officer's fault because it is, um, excited delirium that caused his death not the knee to the throat and the lack of oxygen coming into his lungs and thus brain so anyways uh we're we're not happy with the state of the world right now and you know we might have to talk about it because this is the part of the episode where we just catch up on what's been going on so Corey, what's up um i i, I don't feel comfortable asking how you're doing because i know yeah. it's not great no it's not um man I think, uh, I, I guess what I want to say is that I think that there needs to be more accountability for people in power because it just, I, there need to be consequences. And I feel like some people need, there need to be examples so that maybe people will, will stop doing those things. Um, and it's like, we, I don't know if you saw like the articles that were coming out about, um, all the times um, that there have been reports of police brutality against that officer. Um, is it yeah. Shav Shav Shavin? I I'm not I'm not great with names, so I didn't even try to memorize it. Um, 
And it's just like, why, why was he even, I mean, like the first time, kick them out, take away their pension, everything, like just, and they shouldn't be allowed to be in, you know, that kind of position again. Um, yeah. I, and I would like to say, (laughs) if you have the means, um, please do research and give where you can and, you know, what you know, I guess what feels good to you, I, you know, I think that our dollars can help and yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we can do right now. Um, There's, you know, people are organizing protests all across the country. Um, There's a lot of debate about where, you know, how to be involved. Um, I think the thing for me, um, I generally just want people to be treated okay. Like not to be afraid because of the color of their skin or their gender, um, whatever gender or sexual, sexual orientation or whatever you might be. I feel like they should be able to be themselves, be able to walk outside, go somewhere. And the only thing they should currently have to be afraid of is the coronavirus. They shouldn't have to be afraid of, you know, an officer, who over asserts themselves or maybe not an officer, maybe just a regular person who doesn't like them for whatever reason. Like you don't have to agree. I can't make you like somebody, but you, you should not feel the need to end their life or hurt them because of one of those things. Like this week, this, this week was crazy because not only did a man die because most likely, most likely because of the color of his skin, um, but a woman tried to get cops to come and get a guy w- with using the phrase an African-American man is threatening me in the park. You know, like, I don't know if you've seen that video, Corey, but it oh, I is did. Uh, so, so targeted the way she weaponized. And now she's been severely punished. She's lost her job. And the, if um, the the guy who was being accused of threatening her, even though from what we were able to see from his phone, to be fair, there was a few seconds or minutes, the initial start of the, the interaction. We don't know what, what was said, but given her behavior, I believe what he's saying. But he's also been so, like, we don't need to destroy her life because of this. Like, I'm not excusing the racism, and she apologized, and he accepts her apology. But he blatantly, like, it's not about destroying someone or cancel culture, because people, people screw up. But yeah. we should be able to make things right and here you know in this case with a murder the only way to make it right is someone must pay the consequence someone must we need justice but if if this is something that you also feel like we need people to be together we need people to be okay we need to be able to be human then you got to say something you can't sit back and and just hope it gets better because we've been hoping for a long time and it just like it's not my business it's not my place to share that video i didn't even show it to my husband um that's not my place but just to see that someone stood there the whole time and didn't you know mm-hmm. intervene or like stop it is just I don't know it I can understand like the protesters being afraid and stuff they don't have guns and 
this could be used against them, but another police officer just stood by the whole time. And what was what would have been his consequences? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't... I guess that, I mean, like, that just totally blew me away. I, I'm, like, I'm stupidly still scrolling through Facebook right now, and, like, like, I, I, pretty much every post is something, like, either for, you know, like, Black Lives Matter, or not necessarily, no one's outright been against this, but, like, they, now, the big thing has been, like, condemning looters, and it's, there's so many debates on whether or not the looting, not, again, I'm not for looting, because looting is, is, you're stealing, and stealing is against the law, so I, I don't encourage breaking the law. However, there are a lot of examples of history where this is, you know, we've tried quiet protests, we've tried peaceful protests, we were ignored, we were ignored, we are now too angry to to keep it bottled up. And again, I hope that it ceases. I, I hope, uh, you know, people don't get hurt because of the looting, because like buildings have been yeah. burned down, so there's always potential for, you know, that fire to spread or for people to get hurt in the fire, but we are as a country are talking about this and in large part because of the protest we it is again i'm scrolling through facebook and almost every single person has something there's a few people who are still posting inane kind of pointless things but most people are talking about something right now that is important whether it's covid whether it's you know twitter and trump and what's going on with that whole attempt of first amendments you know uh violations and things of that nature or this um and it's we can't just keep sitting silent and letting it continue. So, you know, whether you're, you're I hope at this point we've all come to the understanding that it's not OK for uh, racism to exist in this society anymore. But also that we can't just sit silent. So we're sorry uh, we won't do much more on politics. This is a movie podcast first, but, you know, pod podcasts and movies alike um are influenced by reality and and we will always see reflections of i'm very scared of what movies we're going to get that are inspired no. by the year 2020 um but hopefully people will at least do this these stories in some kind of creative metaphor versus like just literal translations of what is happening but um you know art reflects reality reality reflects art and we are going to uh you know, movies are, are a way of interpreting the world we live in and the world that surrounds us. And, and I, I posted on Instagram earlier this week, um, you know, movies that allow people to see other perspectives that they could not see otherwise. And as a white man at age 37, um, I am aware that my perspective has been, you know, one of white privilege to a degree. And, um, Movies like Blind Spotting, which is one of my favorite films, I already mentioned Fruitvale Station. The Hate You Give was one that I left off on my Instagram post, but is an important one. Uh, Do the right thing. I mean, there's there's so many. Um, I am not your Negro. Uh, Selma from um, uh, Ava DuVernay. I mean, there's so many movies that allow people to see what it would be like to be black in an American society, um, and it gives you. It, it should open your horizons, and you can you know self self-consciously be defensive and say oh that's that's an exaggeration or that's not always the case or blah 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 but inside you know that you're you're just trying to deny 
what's what you know is happening what you you can see there's so many examples um and that's one of the reasons why i love film is because it allows us to travel to places that we couldn't do whether we're talking fantasy worlds that don't exist or the perspective of someone that we just literally can never fully empathize with because it is not our situation um it gives us that opportunity and especially if the opportunity um is by someone who has lived that life like ryan coogler or Ava DuVernay, someone who is coming from a different perspective than any whose experiences are being painted on the canvas of film in a way that we are able to see them and hear them that you maybe otherwise just couldn't. Uh, that's the beauty of this art form. Why I love it. Why I spend so much time obsessing over film and TV is because of things like that. And w with that, let's talk about what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Have you seen anything, Corey? Yes. Um. So I watched Christine. Ooh. John Carpenter. You know, I remembered some parts of it from uh, when I must have been a kid. Um. But I didn't remember the whole movie. I liked it. And let's just talk. I mean, John Carpenter must have done that soundtrack, or sorry, score. And it's just so probably amazing. Thank you. Um, and then I rewatched, this was my second time. The only other time that I watched it was when it was in the theaters, uh, was the little stranger. Um, and I really want to read the book now. Um, and I watched, so I would have saved this for our, one of our upcoming, you know, months, but the way that Hulu has it listed made it seem like a mini series. So I oh. went ahead and started watching it because it's like, um, it I forget what it says, but it made me think it's like a TV, I think it said TV series or something. And then it said episode one. There was only one episode and it was an hour and 20 minutes and it was the whole thing. Um, unless they're going to be releasing more, but it was AKA Jane Rowe. Okay. Um, I live in Idaho, guys. <laughs> um, and I mean, y'all should pay attention to what your governors are doing uh and then i've been watching nightmare next door and that is that is all okay um i think when we recorded i think we might have recorded on thursday last week um because i watched the lovebirds did i talk about that with you um i don't think so i don't think so okay so i think we recorded on thursday last week um well i feel like it was friday i don't know it was friday but i I watched The Lovebirds uh, on the 22nd, which was Friday. Um, that's the new Kumail Nanjiani movie with um, Issa Rae. It's, the, it's on Netflix. It was supposed to come out in theaters, but it didn't get to come out in theaters. Um, but I really like that a whole lot. It's very funny. My review is up at Burke Reviews, I think, as of uh, recording. So, yeah. Um, and then I watched Barefoot in the Park uh, because movie astrology, we're doing 1967. Um, that's a Robert Redford and... Um, jane fonda movie uh i i like it um jane fonda is her character not her performance performance is really good but her character is a little bit annoying but um I, i'm a big robert redford fan at this point and so i want to watch more of his movies okay so um big tuna who i talk about frequently on on this show um he really encouraged me to watch this documentary called the donut king um and uh i got lucky because it's it's not available anywhere for listeners to, to see yet and that's the downside but it's going to be so if you use letterbox or imdb or any other way of keeping like a watch list 
add the Donut King to your watch list because this documentary is so amazing. Um, one, just because it's a very, very like narrow, specific story talking about um, a man named Ted, uh, I think, uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name right, but um, it's N-G-O-Y. And so I'm not going to try to say because I'm just going to mispronounce it. But um, it's directed by Alice Gu, and uh, it's going to get distribution somewhere. I'm I'm so confident. But I got to see it through the uh, Cambodian Film Festival. It's Cambodia. It's like Little Cambodia or Cambodia Town um, Film Festival. It was uh, an opportunity that happened one weekend only. This movie was supposed to have, I think, a Sundance um, or a South by Southwest debut, and it was obviously wrecked because South by Southwest was canceled. Um, but this movie follows this guy, Ted, where it shows the life of Ted, uh, who was a Cambodian immigrant in the 60s, late 60s, and his rise to like becoming the, well, quote unquote, donut king um, and how how this process worked and all. And it, it does so many things. It covers so many themes and it all feels so natural it's such a compelling story. It's so well put together. Like it's plotted like a film, like a narrative film. It, it is just a great watch. It's 94 minutes. Um, keep the donut King on your radar. As soon as you can see it, I highly, highly recommend that you watch it. Um, it's one of big tuna's favorite films of this year. And right now, yeah, it's easily in my top five for this year. It is excellent. It was uh, just watching it i was like i was yelling at my computer it was so much it was i was so engaged with the movie it's just great uh donut king um highly highly recommend um then uh i watched this one was uh again because 1967 movie astrology is covering it i watched guess who's coming to dinner which i'd seen the remake uh with ashton kutcher and bernie mac called guess who um from like i don't know probably 10 years ago or something like that and uh but this one um it's a Sydney Poitier film that I I always have known about and have uh, stars co-stars Catherine Hepper and uh, Spencer Tracy, um, directed by Stanley Kramer. It is a movie about uh, the civil rights movement. Um, it's 1967, but uh, this the daughter of the two main characters, Catherine Hepburn and Spacey Transfer, main characters are strong. Um, comes home and she has a surprise. Her new fiance essentially um who she's only known for a few days uh they met in hawaii um who is sydney Pontier. uh so black man comes home with white girl um and chaos ensues um now the interesting thing is her her it's not a comedy the the bernie mac one not that there's not some funny moments but it's definitely not a comedy where the bernie mac and ashton kutcher is definitely played more for humor but um uh i, I mean again there is humor in this but i feel like it's grounded in uh, the civil rights time period because uh, Spencer Tracy's character is very much a like he's a progressive and he's he works for a newspaper and he's all about civil rights. But now he's confronted with that. Did he mean it completely? Like is now that it's at his own doorstep, can he can he hold to those values? And so there's a lot there and it's very poignant right now. Um definitely worth watching if you've never seen it uh it, it's some great performances it does land a little bit on like it's not a white savior because the stakes are very low um it's not like he's not really fighting for civil rights it's just about the effects of civil rights on general society and and how equality is maybe not as as attainable as as people maybe wanted it to be and thus why we're still talking about it all these years later but um 
I watched To Catch a Thief, which is our movie for the week, which we'll get into momentarily. And then um, last night I watched, I rewatched uh, a favorite of mine, a movie that I actually quote way more than I even realized because I haven't seen it in a few years, which is Richard Linklater's School of Rock. I, I'm always so thrown when I remember that Richard Linklater what? directed this movie. Yeah. I've never people... seen that movie. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Black, it, it, like this, he's, he's a teacher. He's a substitute teacher who realizes um, he's a musician who takes on a substitute teaching job illegally, essentially um, fraudulently, oh. I guess is more accurate, but uh, discovers the kids he's subbing for are talented musicians. And he has a chance to, craft them into rock and roll musicians um and it, essentially it's me as a teacher except instead of school of rock mine would be school of film and it's the same process but uh there's so many things i quote from this movie i've seen this movie too many times but it's been a while and my daughter and i sat and watched it last night i was on hbo and i still love it i'm not saying it's a perfect movie but for me it works and i like jack black a whole lot and this is one of my favorite performances from him um I, I enjoy the music scenes. I enjoy his passion for music and his excessively nerdy uh, level of information about each of the bands and whatnot. Um, and Joan Cusack is the principal of the school and she is so good in this movie. I love her uh, so much in this film. Um, and it's written by Mike White, who I'm a big fan of. Sarah Silverman has a supporting role. Uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's a really solid film. And again, it's, it's Richard Linklater. And I just can't, when you think of like, um, you know, boyhood and uh, slackers, and I've yet to watch the before trilogy, but we'll be watching that later this year. Uh, spoilers for November. But um, I, I love this film, and it was fun watching it with my daughter. She saw it when she was younger, but she hasn't really seen it. And it was funny because there were parts where she's like, you are so much of this character. Because like, I say loosey-goosey all the time, and it's a reference from this film. And it's just little things that I pull from the, the performance that I constantly reference. Um, and then uh, we watched, though... Um, Right after School of Rock ended, HBO has like a buffer period. So um, before the next movie, they had a an episode of a, a show that they're doing called Betty. And I want to talk about Betty for just a second. My daughter and I watched episode four. We had not seen the other three episodes, but episode four came on after School of Rock and we decided to watch it. Um, and early last year, I think it was last year, I watched a film called Skate Kitchen. And I really, really like Skate Kitchen. Um, it might have been two years ago, actually, I guess uh, now. Um but Skate Kitchen is uh, directed by the um, director who did the documentary The Wolf Pack, uh, Crystal Moselle. And I really like that documentary. It's a documentary I've shown my students several times. And she uh, has this kind of naturalistic, Sean Baker-esque kind of uh, filmmaking style in that she finds non-actors. And, and um, The Wolf Pack is a documentary, but Skate Kitchen is the, the females in it are actually real-life friends. They were not actors before this. Uh, she found them, discovered them, and then has kind of crafted them into this telling their story in a narrative fictional way. So it's like exaggerated versions of who these people are supposed to actually be. Um, they did Skate Kitchen together in 2018, and now we're doing a show called Betty that is similar, but not. it's not a sequel to Skate Kitchen. It's like a, another version, like an alternate story, but it is about these, these group of girl skaters and their friendships and their lives. And so uh, my daughter did not watch Skate Kitchen two years ago when I watched it with my wife. And I really thought she would like it. And I was like, come on, you should really watch this this movie. She hasn't, hasn't, hasn't. She caught Betty with me yesterday and has now watched all four episodes of Betty. Uh, we Again, we watched episode four, having not seen the other three. She went back and rewatched the rest of them. Um, and there's two more episodes come out for this season. I don't know if it's going to end with season one, but uh, I, we both like Betty. Um, I really want her to watch Skate Kitchen. Um, Big Tuna has seen Betty in its entirety, um, and 
says Gate Kitchen is better. Um, I'm not sure which is true. Either way, I think that's something people should check out. So Betty on HBO, if you have HBO Max or HBO Go or HBO Now or HBO just with your cable service, if you have some way to watch Betty, check it out. And then I believe Skate Kitchen is on Hulu right now, and I highly recommend uh, checking it out. If you like uh, mid-90s, for example, um, I think that is a good uh, – companion piece with the two movies because both are about skaters one more from a male perspective and one from a female perspective which is interesting in and of itself as for a long time skating i think it was depicted as a male sport um especially like anything like lords of dogtown and things like that um there's always a like token female character in the group but they're usually like the outcast weirdo kind of girl uh depicted in those films this skate skate kitchen is a much more like yeah no girls can skate guys it doesn't have to be uh but and again it's not exclusively about skating but skating is their kind of uh common ground that they find their friendship so um that's what i've been watching i've also been playing some video games uh but you know i won't get into any of that still playing animal crossing daily um gotta sell them turnips so uh that's um where i think we will head into our main review for the week uh right after the sponsor so we are talking to Catch a Thief uh, from 1955, uh, directed by the one, the only Alfred Hitchcock. Stars Cary Grant, Grace Kelly, uh, Jesse Royce Landis, John Williams, not not John Williams, the uh, um, whoa composer. Wow, I could not come up with that word. Um, Charles Vanell, I guess that's probably it. I'm, like most of these people are not in the movie very very long. Um, I'm, I's, I don't remember the name of the one main character to know if that's her or not. Cause I can't tell some of these pictures are, are older pictures of the actors. Um, so uh, this is a film I owned and had not seen. And Hitchcock is a director that I don't know if you know this listeners and Corey, but he's really good. He's a good director. I mean, right? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And, but I am, a, I'm a big fan, you know, uh, being a film person and this guy made good films and thus I like him. But I've only seen like I don't know eight nine of his movies. Um, I've I've seen Psycho, I've seen The Birds, I've seen Vertigo, North by Northwest, Rope, um, Strangers on a Train. Uh, oh, I feel like I'm forgetting. Did I say Psycho? I had to say Psycho, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think maybe maybe that. Did is you all. say Rearview Window? Rear Window, just Rear, rear window. window. Damn, sorry. Yeah. That's a Pearl Jam song, guys. Rear, no, One that's of- Rearview Mirror one of my uh one of my favorites in fact actually i think rear window might be my favorite hitchcock film oh that i've seen um i i love i, I don't know if you know this but i'm a big jimmy stewart fan uh it's a wonderful oh, yeah. life is in my top five movies of all time um and it's <laughs> largely because of him i, I love james okay. stewart and rear window is my favorite uh hitchcock james stewart performance although i do love him in vertigo and a lot of people i think would put vertigo above rear window but i don't know there's something about the simplicity of of rear window that i absolutely love and i love the set design um i love the kind of mystery elements of it um and again we get grace kelly uh in rear window if i'm not mistaken um yes i'm correct i was fairly confident but i got paranoid that i was wrong um, and I, I think she is so good in Rear Window, and uh, I just love, I love that movie so much. Um, but so I'm a Hitchcock fan, and this is a movie I've owned and wanted to see. Um, I, I like Cary Grant, but my my favorite Cary Grant performance is in Philadelphia Story. Um, I do love North by Northwest, um, but there is this like he has a very distinct style that doesn't always work for me. 
because I don't know. It almost feels like it almost feels like he's not taking his character seriously in in some of the movies. Like even in North by Northwest, there's a few moments where he seems like he's really like hamming it up a little bit to me. Um, it might be just the style of acting of the period, um, or maybe the fact that he was Cary Grant and it was impossible for him to be anybody else on screen. Um, something that I don't feel is true of the best actors. Um, I do still like Cary Grant. And so this movie, when I realized it was Cary Grant, Grace Kelly, and Hitchcock, I was like, well, we got Rear Window. We got North by Northwest. We're meshing them together in a Hitchcock sandwich. I'm in. Let's let's do it. Um, so that was why I picked it. Um, I liked it. I did not like it as much as I had hoped. Um, I found it to be a little sillier than I was expecting at times. Um, and uh, that didn't fully work for me. Um, and that, I think that's a common misconception with Hitchcock is I think Hitchcock is so heavily associated with horror because of his TV series, the Suspense. Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yeah. And, and then you, you like vertigo birds, psycho, um, rear window they all have a thriller suspense in this movie i guess it's listed on imdb as mystery romance genre uh i'm sorry i almost said genre thriller um okay and i think it's it's much heavier on the romance and mystery and uh the the thrill never really kicked in for me and i don't think it's poorly made or poorly acted or anything like that um but it it felt sillier for a lot of reasons one i could not get over Cary grant's freaking neck scarf thingy like <laughs> he was trying to fit in he was in france i don't really yeah, know it was like i'm like all right fred from scooby-doo like where's your ascot like um so like little things like that it just it i never felt fully pulled into this yeah like i was always like at a distance and that's not usual for me in hitchcock so i i I don't think it's a bad movie, but it, it definitely was not in the vein that I was w- hoping this would be. Um, and so it didn't really click with my sensibilities or grab me in a way that I thought was super exciting. Um, and I mean, I, I have had a hard time focusing the, the mm-hmm. last couple of months, like watching movies. Uh, Cause I'm, I, I really miss going to the theater and like, I, I don't know. I feel like even though I should have more time, I feel like I have less time in a day. And so, like, watching a movie for an hour to two hours always feels like I should be doing, like, eight other things. And so I end up multitasking more than I usually would. Um, and so I do I do attribute some of that to maybe that's on me for not being as connected to it. But I have seen, like, Lovebirds pulled me in. I was, like, in Lovebirds. And um, there was an – oh, Donut King. I was 100% con- committed to that movie. That movie I was, like, in. So – I know I can give my attention completely to a movie from home, but it has to really grab me. And I don't feel like this one did. And I, I, I really wanted it to, cause I love, I love so much about just the premise of it, um, which I didn't say the, the, if you haven't watched it yet, the synopsis on IMDb is a retired jewel thief sets out to prove his innocence after being suspected of returning to his former occupation. Um, so the mystery of the film is who is actually the cat? Is it him? Is it somebody else? And it was a little, I didn't quite hit, predict it like right away, but I did start to kind of piece it together. Um, and I figured it out before the reveal. Um, but that's not, you know, I've watched a lot of movies. I, I can usually kind of see where, where, the likelihood is and every once in a while if, if someone subverts my expectations i don't think that's a negative criticism to the film but i i wasn't like really invested in the mystery it just felt like an ancillary thing to um 
don't know. The way Cary Grant talks to to girls uh, always kind of <laughs> rubs me the wrong way, but that's also probably fifties, you know. Um, yeah, but I, I again I liked it, Corey. Uh, it sounds like you were happy that I didn't love it, so I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't love it either. I was like, I'm gonna come in here and he's going to rip me apart. Um, I I agree with all the things that you've said. I've not watched as many Hitchcock movies as you, but. Even as, like, a young teenager, I loved Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Um, yeah, I watched that a lot as a kid, like, reruns and stuff. Yeah, so I I don't know. I do, I guess, expect more suspense, you know, coming from Hitchcock. Uh, oh, man, what to say? You're so eloquent. And then I just <laughs> roll in here with like i'm saying this word because it sounds good but does it mean what i think it means that's me all the time folks that's me all the time um (laughs) (laughs) um and i read all the time okay um so i i didn't figure out who it was because i didn't really care (laughs) (laughs) you know i it's like a big thing to me when i'm watching movies for this um that I try to give it, I try to give it my undivided attention. Like if I were in a theater, I try not to look at my phone. If I if I need to go do something, I pause it. So, or like if I start to get tired and I can't, you know, I I pause it and I'll come back the next day. And I know that that probably just kills you. But, um, and I just was so bored during this movie that I kept picking up my phone and I was like, no, 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 put it down, put it down, put it down. Um. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk a lot about it in non-spoilers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I know. I also found that I kept reaching for my phone, and I was really like, "Oh man, this is not cool." Like, why do I keep reaching for my phone? That's not. I know that I don't do that because I'm supposed to be giving my this movie a hundred percent of my attention, especially for ones that I know we're doing a podcast for. I try to like really you know focus in and i i also kept like oh my god please let's let's move on um i think a lot of it was like the aesthetics and like um i mean there's a lot of good filmmaking here like i i really like there's like a green light on when he's on the roof and that's how the movie starts i thought that was really cool um i didn't like the costuming of, of grant at least and again grant has this kind of he does this like he has a comedic delivery where he's kind of dry wit and I really love it in Philadelphia story. I think it works really great there. And in his girl Friday, it's the same thing that that works so well there. And it works in moments in North by Northwest. I never really thought it worked here. Like I always just felt like, man, you just kind of come off as a dick. Like I don't, you know, I don't dislike you, but I also don't like you. Like, I'm not like rooting for you. Like am I supposed to feel bad because, Oh, the poor criminal can no longer like, you know, everyone knows he was a criminal. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I feel bad for you. So like, it was never, it was never fully on board um, with like that whole process. So uh, yeah, I guess that's the gist of our non-spoiler opinions. Uh, we didn't love it. Not, it's not, there's no way you can look at a Hitchcock film and say it's bad. I don't think, I mean, maybe there's one out there. He made a lot of movies. So I'm sure percentage wise, there's a few bad ones in his repertoire, but this one's highly rated. It's like a 7.4 IMDb user score. Hey. It yeah it's I don't know it's just for me it was not it was too I, fluffy 
it was Lo- oh go ahead no i mean that's it go ahead um i love when we see eye to eye and it's like not the same as everyone else yeah yeah it's it's happened a few times it's happened a lot with horror you and i yeah. and like the populist horror films not even the populist horror films, the the horror genre lovers big films we have not enjoyed a lot in common like with uh Suspiria is the one that you and I both were just like, what the hell is everyone? And I still don't know. I, I, my brain, I desperately want to understand why so many people love that movie. Cause I just, am like, well, what is it? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand why people love this. It's like, but let me name 10 that are way better for you. <laughs> like, yeah. And they're, they and, made like five, right? What Suspiria's or the, that was Phantasm. I think. That was Phantasm. Uh, we also yeah. didn't like Phantasm. Nope. Sorry. That's another one that people really rave about. And that one I really don't understand. Like Suspiria, I can at least, oh, it's gorgeous or whatever. I uh, Fine. Phantasm, I'm like, it's not even like, I thought it was going to be real gory or something. It wasn't even that. Anyways, point is, uh, people tend to like this movie. It has a on Letterboxd a 3.6 a rating. I don't even know. I didn't mention the Metascore. I dropped the ball a lot. There Maybe there wasn't a Metascore. That would explain why I didn't say it um no there isn't okay so that's why i haven't looked at the rotten tomato score we don't usually report that but i'm sure it's high it's hitchcock and i think that gives a, a little bit of credence people are afraid to say like a hitchcock film is bad mm. because it's it's hitchcock and he is he we he knows better ultimately right like but that doesn't mean a movie's going to click with your taste and sensibility again i have no complaints about the filmmaking i don't really think there's any major issues it just didn't grab me um, my favorite part was seeing Hitchcock on the on the bus because yeah. Hitchcock does a cameo all the time. That is uh, a staple for him. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, you can't deny Grace Kelly is is a beautiful woman. Like, um, and so you know, there's that, and and Cary Grant's a, a chiseled, masculine, manly man. You know, I mean, like, he's handsome. Yeah, uh, you can't get around that. These two people are are pretty. Thus, you want them to get together <laughs> because they're both pretty. Except but, she's half his age, so not really. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. I, yeah, <laughs> he was, was like older than her mother, or yeah. at least maybe it was all that tanning he did. I and don't know. Maybe that was part of why it didn't. I wasn't like, yeah, okay, I guess. I don't know. Um. Anyways, <sighs> oh, good. I was gonna say no. let's get to spoilers, but let's go to spoilers. All right, Corey. Then tell them, guys. From here on out, we are gonna talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, go ahead, please. Okay, so first of all, I would like you to know that I'm not really very interested in royals. Like, I don't really care. I don't think that they're interesting. I don't, I don't understand the obsession. But for some reason, this might be the first movie that I've actually seen with Grace Kelly in it. Maybe I would have to look at her filmography. But um, I just, it just catches my interest that she went on to become the princess of monaco i did not know that that's interesting yeah she was married for a while to the prince of monaco i can't remember his name i'm sorry um i actually just read about her probably like six or seven months ago i just find it fascinating and i don't even know why um and they had three children i think and then she ended up dying in a car accident um wow yeah and he never remarried um so i just i don't know i just find that fascinating so i don't know if anybody else wants to read on it but it's you know interesting and cool stuff to read um 
I kind of didn't like any of the characters in this movie. Yeah, that that's going to be a problem, right? <laughs> right. And I feel like so many of the things that I say all the time about why I don't like movies is so predictable and so just, you know, like a looped recording. But I just really didn't care about any of them. I thought that Grace Kelly's character was whiny and, like, I don't know. She acted kind of like a princess. Do you want yes. to take a ride in my automobile? Or we're so rich and I have to constantly travel with my mother so she doesn't get swindled like her mother's an idiot. And then we find out that her father was, I forget exactly what, but his, he didn't, he wasn't the most upstanding citizen. Yeah. And, and then the, the insurance um, salesman who's insured the jewelry that he's like, betraying everyone who is you know he's giving away the names to potential criminals like that's i'm not gonna like people who are doing the bad things don't usually get my sympathy and thus i'm not really invested in them um unless there's a redemption arc which is not really what this is going for i guess to a small degree that there's supposed to be a redemption arc um that john roby the cat is is no longer the cat burglar and thus you're, you're supposed to feel a little bad for him that he's like he's trying to live a clean life now and and um you know people just keep you know accusing him even though but it's like yeah and maybe maybe because we're watching a white guy be upset about being accused of a crime and like the cops just kind of like casually doing it in a week where we witnessed you know a black man be murdered because of counterfeit money um uh, maybe we don't have a, an empathy chip right like yeah, allegedly counterfeit. I don't know if any of that's been proven or not. Um, but the point is, maybe this wasn't the right week to try to feel empathy for a, a white male criminal. You know, <laughs> like maybe it just wasn't going to happen for us because, it's like, yeah, no, you dick. Like, it's not. It, you're just not going to get that for me right now. I mean, maybe not. It's hard to tell, but I'm just saying that is something to take into consideration. Yeah, and he's living a pretty posh life, obviously, with his ascot. Um, <laughs> you know he like lives in this beautiful country in this beautiful like villa that and has servants and uh the like when they're having dinner with the insurance guy like on his little veranda or veranda or whatever i don't know if that's either of those things is even what they're sitting on but it's just like such a, like a like nonchalant like oh yeah this is a, this is my normal life like this is just what i have and you're like you're whatever like, dude beautiful ocean yeah like yeah like I, there's just nothing there i i felt like it was just like so i paused the movie and i thought that it was telling me that i had watched 45 minutes and then i still had an hour and 46 or so minutes to go and i didn't think i was gonna make it but i think that was a total running time because sometimes i don't know if it's like when i watch blu-rays or on certain like streaming things it you know, it has how much you've watched and then how much you have left and then some have, like, how far you are in the total time and ugh, I'm just blabbering. But I thought that it was going to be really long. But this felt long enough, guys. Um, I didn't like that whole scene with, like, the ballroom and, like, the costumes and it just seemed completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean uh, there's so many things, like... A lot of it felt unnecessary, and it ends up being, like, so when he first is accused of being the new cat burglar, he runs off and he goes to see his old crew, I guess is what they were, like his old running mates or something. Like, I, I had a hard time keeping up with all of the plot, 
but he goes like to the restaurant and they're like people want to kill him because they are all now being accused of being criminals again because he's supposedly back at work and they're all mad at him or whatever and then he gets a boat ride from one of the daughters and she's like flirty with him and like makes some jokes that you know you had a chance with me and you you turned me away which she also seems like way too young to had a chance with him I think that she was like 18 or 19 they said right and the implication was there was like a past romance so like what the hell Blech. but um but then again he's he's pushing her off so maybe maybe in her head there was a romance or she's just messing with him i don't know but it yeah it it and she drops him off and then she shows up later and she ends up being the cat burglar um using his techniques and whatnot her father kind of orchestrating it and her being kind of like the uh the tool because he couldn't do it because of his bum leg or whatever um it it's like okay yeah i guess like i don't i didn't care it, it wasn't like a big it, it had to be her right because if it, if it wasn't her the only other thing that would have made sense to me would have been like grace kelly and her mother are like like a mother-daughter duo and you know like um i felt like it had to be a female because i think his like kind of arrogance was that like this man is mimicking me and it made sense that it was going to end up being a female although it wasn't that progressive because again she was being kind of forced to do it by her father but nonetheless it was like look women can do what men can do so that was cool i guess um but ultimately i was just like yeah okay it's fine again nothing bad there's like it's not it's not super long it's it's an hour and 46 minutes um you know there's there's a scene or two that could be cut but i mean you know whatever fine um hitchcock was never notoriously bad about pacing he's usually like that's the, I think it's Rear Window has the legend that he had, um, he was so stressed out by the studio system and the control that they would put on his movies that um, he felt the only way he could control the final cut of the film was to only film exactly what he wanted to be in the film, which is usually not how films are made, right? We, we get coverage from multiple angles and multiple takes, and then the editor gets to decide. Now, a director who has power can make those decisions in the editing room, but um, in the studio system... If they didn't let you do that, you were up at the mercy of the editor to make the choices. So if you didn't want to give them a lot of choices, well, then you were going to get the movie you wanted. And Hitchcock, I think it was Rear Window where he had almost nothing left because he only filmed the scenes he wanted. And he had trained the actors so thoroughly that they didn't need multiple takes. Um, so notoriously, he's very, very uh, functional with his with his content coverage. Um and so I don't I don't feel like anything in this movie he wanted it to be there. I, I I don't doubt that with Hitchcock. So like I have no real complaints about it. I just my taste it just didn't click with me, and I wish it had because I really really wanted this to be another like oh my god because like every Hitchcock film I've seen um I love I I think North by Northwest might be my least favorite, and I do like Cary Grant because that's when I was watching this I'm like maybe I don't like Cary Grant maybe I think I like Cary Grant because <laughs> he's like an iconic name in film. Yeah. But I really love him in His Girl Friday and Philadelphia Story. Like, I, Philadelphia Story is uh, James Stewart and him and Catherine Hepburn. Freaking amazing movie. I'm sure you have not seen it. You definitely need to watch it. It is so freaking good. It is on HBO Max. Um, if you're uh, lucky enough out there, listeners, to have HBO Max, um, because HBO Max has TCM. And oh man, uh, so oh. many good things are on TCM. Um, there's tons and tons of stuff on there. But, um, yeah, I, I really, really want to encourage uh, people to explore movies like that. But this one didn't work for me or Corey, apparently. So, 
that is that. I, I got nothing else on this movie, Corey. I, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to discuss? Mm-hmm. No. Um, for me, I, I'm going to go ahead and rate it. I'm going to say decent watch. Um, and it just because it's it's still really well made, and it, it it's not like there's bad performances. It's just I did find it to be a little bit boring. Um, not and not even excessively boring. Like it's fine. I laughed at a few points. I you know I thought some visuals were really really strong. I thought some of the some of the sequences were good. Um, there's a few funny jokes I thought in there, but overall I was just like. I'd much rather watch almost any other Hitchcock film that I've seen so far. And, uh, yeah, um, that was me. Uh, what about you? Um, I, I agree with you. I don't feel like it's terrible. I don't know. And yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, I mean, (laughs) I'm, Personally, I'm more like not a total waste of time. Yeah, which I, I would say in this case, mine is probably leaning that way. But I just I, I don't feel comfortable going that low because, I, again, my complaints are it didn't click for me. And yet I see like a lot of good. So I'm just like, fine, I, I will accept the fact that it's just not it's just not a movie that worked for me right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I have no I'm not going to in any way try to convince you to go higher because I totally get that. Thank you. Um, with that in mind, this was the end of May, and we're going to be moving into our next theme, which is The Truth is Out There. These are going to be documentaries, uh, which I am super stoked about. However, usually we've gotten in the habit of, of telling you what we're going to be watching over the <laughs> next month, but we are we are kind of at a loss because we, we actually picked these earlier, but now they're, they're not easy to get a hold of, so I think we're going to be changing what we're going to be watching. So... Um, Corey has the first pick. And so I think what we'll do for the next couple of minutes, listeners, is we're going to debate what should be the first documentary for the Truth is Out There month. Um, So uh, I think, Corey, we pick a streaming service. So you want to think Netflix or Hulu as our our, or Amazon? Um, We did a lot. Go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Well, I was going to like I have the Letterboxd Pro. So I can sort the films by uh, streaming service as well as um, like genre. So I have the documentary and like I can pull up Netflix and I'm looking at by popularity, um, like what what movies are really popular right now. Like so, there's the Fire Festival, which I still haven't watched either of the Fire documentaries. Uh, I'm intrigued by, but I'm also okay with not watching. Uh, Amy, which is the Amy Whitehouse documentary from 2015, I've never seen. Um, I don't know if you ever watched that one. Blackfish is a, a change sea world never watched that it's one that's been on my list for a long time um uh moving down the list there's uh icarus from 2017 which was kind of interesting um sounded interesting searching for sugar man was one that i've been wanting to watch it's a music documentary um de palma which is about brian de palma and i think it's directed by um noah bombach uh and it's about the filmmaker. So I'm always into filmmaker-based documentaries. Although I've I only seen like two De Palma films. So I, that's the one reason I've not dove into it. Because I'm not like super aware of him anyways. I mean, I'm aware of him. But I've not seen a lot of his work. So I'm not like sure how much I'm going to really take from it. Um, that's just on Netflix. And that's again just they're like the top ones. There's tons and tons of docs on these streaming services. One of the great reasons to do a doc 
theme month is that there are so many documentaries out there right now ready for us to watch that we just haven't seen. Um, so I don't know. Are you looking at one of the streaming services? Uh, yeah. Um, now I can I can have seen it. The the for Corey's selection, she just has to have not seen the film that she picked. So if anything goes, um, which which uh, streaming service are you looking at? Um. Well, I already had mine picked out, and then oh, my first well, one. Oh, go ahead. But that one's it's not available anymore, right? Yeah. On... So I just looked at my other two. Um, oh, okay. I tried to look up my third one, but I'm having a hard time finding any information on that one, so I'll have to revisit because that one's on Hulu. Um, Is the third one though? I think there's only two for you this month. I think you might be looking at the next theme. Um, I have three. I'm blue, right? Yeah, but see again, you're looking at the the the. It Dang changes. it! Yeah. We I need the month colors. <laughs> I know it's weird because it's we're so recording. Distracting. It's the record dates are off, like because we're recording sometimes before the month is over, but it's for the next month already. Like so, we're recording on June 29th for the July episode. So it's it's just how the the weeks. Sorry, I I understand though because my brain did that too. But um, so yeah, you have two. So. Uh, is the, is the second one still on Netflix? Um, I'm thinking so. Uh, sorry, I was looking up yeah, to yeah. see what it was about. Oh, it is. Yeah, I think or, it's a Netflix original. I think so. Opinion. There's a lot of those. It's a 2020 movie too, so that's interesting. I'm I'm in for that. Uh, um, oh, interesting. Who the? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know all these names, but. I was just looking at like producers and screenplay, um, and it's an hour and twenty three minutes. <laughs> Did you? Oh, Jason Blum is a producer on this. Um, I mean, I'm down for it uh, if that's the one you want to go with. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, for our next episode, and I'm, we're only going to give you the next episode because I I have not picked mine yet, and there's so many documentaries I want to watch. I am very very torn. I'm going to have to talk to Corey about one because one I really want to watch is not short. I don't know if you're willing to commit to a longer one. Um, (laughs) But uh, so we're going to be watching A Secret Love, which is a 2020 documentary. It is on Netflix. Um, So if you listen or if you watch the movie ahead of time, you want to give us your thoughts on it. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. You can also use the Anchor.fm app to uh, leave us a voicemail telling us your thoughts on Secret Love. We could put that into the podcast. Um, if you use Letterboxd, follow us there. And BurkeReviews.com is where we post all of our writings. Uh, Corey did a quarantine album article not too long ago that's worth checking out because we're still technically on quarantine, even if more and more things keep opening up. Uh, there is still a pandemic going on, folks. Don't forget that. Uh, mask up, please. Um, even if you think you're safe, uh, other people might not be, and you might be caring. Cause I, the, the newest statistic I heard was like 80% of people who are infected are mm. asymptomatic or asymptomatic, excuse me. Um, and so could be spreading the disease and not even knowing they have it. So wearing that mask is all the more important for that reason, um, because you might have it and you're just not exhibiting any symptoms and you could be spreading it to someone who will get those symptoms and could be, uh, life altered for the rest of their time. So, um, do, 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 I think that covers everything. Uh, we'll be back to discuss a uh, secret love, um, next week when, as we move from Minton box to, uh, the truth is out there. 
um, stay safe, uh, speak up, and keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>